oh god it's in french did you watch one in french i watched it entirely in french oh you son of a bitch i did i watched it all in french because i was like oh this is awesome like i can watch it in french and i really i legit like Do you i know may french? be really stupid no fuck no i, I read the subtitles <laughs> And I may be really fucking stupid, but I really believe that Vincent D'Onofrio and Fred Armisen spoke French the whole time. And I was like, holy shit, these guys are fucking talented. obscurity and fame is in between us with Liam and John, a bi-weekly podcast about the oddities in the world of animation. Are they good or are they bad? How weird is too weird and is there such a thing? Are we talking about the movies or the hosts? Hosts or no? This week's episode is Phantom Boy. I am in the form of a penny on a gum on a couch, and this is my voice. This is the form I am in this podcast. Oh, okay. What form are you, William? <laughs> I am the form. I am the form of a French voice, which is the only thing that I listen to while watching this movie. To be quite honest, I think really changed the experience for me, and I'm really excited to debate that with you. Did so. you not purchase this on YouTube? I did not. What did you purchase it from? I found it illegally. Damn it. Yes, <laughs> I did. And the thing was, like, I was planning on buying it, but then I was like, you know, I wonder if they have it like somewhere for free. And I found it, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is the good stuff. So I was like really excited and was like, oh, this is authentic, too. John also probably also watched it in French, and you did not. <laughs> no. And I did not realize, because the thing that's weird is even in the French version, Fred Armisen and Vincent D'Onofrio are credited that's, in the French version. That's weird. Yes. So that's why, like, legitimately, and I know this makes me sound stupid, listeners, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you anyway. <laughs> I legitimately thought Fred Armisen and Vincent D'Onofrio did French voices in this film. And I was going to be like, man, those are some fucking talented dudes right there. That is impressive. But I was so, oh, so wrong. The way that I got it legally was I purchased it for $2.99 on YouTube. So that's how you can it. get it. That's how you can get it. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio is the face. I thought Fred Armisen was going to be like a major character, but he's like not even the, <laughs> the, the main toady of the face. He is the, he's called Smaller Toady or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's just called Little Guy. Little Guy. His name is Little Guy. Yeah, the other guy's Big Guy. He doesn't have a name. He's just Little Guy. But, like, I feel like in the credits, he goes first. It's like Fred Armisen. Yeah, it's like Fred Armisen is before Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, maybe they did it alphabetically, but it was kind of like, oh, I was expecting like him to have a huge Still, part. Still, Not yeah, at all. Not at all. I was honestly like, God, I guess there are just, like, more people like Bradley Cooper out there who can just speak French. Like, it's no problem, which is pretty <laughs> amazing. Did you know that about Bradley Cooper? No, he can speak He's French. He's like straight up fluent in French. That's awesome. You should look up some videos of him speaking French. He's like straight up like he's talking to this newscaster who's a French newscaster. She's like he's like talking about his movie and he's like straight up just fluently speaking with this it's um, it's incredible. I was like, "Damn, Bradley Cooper, I didn't know it was like that, you know? Like straight up." So just as a heads up for you guys. Anyway. This week uh, we're doing Phantom Boy. Yeah. 
It is by production houses of Full Image or Full Image, Luna Mean, France 3 Cinema, and then Rhone Alp Cinema. Uh, it came out in 2015. There's two directors, and they were both of the directors, apparently, of the earlier film that got Oscar nominated, which is A Cat in Paris. Right. And this is their follow up to it. Gotcha. This one was a budget for 5.5 million euros. Which I kind of through looking at the dollar exchange from two years ago was like six point two million, but the box office is a paltry thirty four thousand three hundred sixty two dollars. That is so low. It's so sad. I mean, I got to be honest. Like, I did. I've never heard about this movie when it came out. No, not, like I never heard about it. You know, that was never something that was even on the periphery. And it's crazy because, like, some of the reviews I read about, it, like, oh, thankfully, you know, it was like G Kids. Had purchased this, the the movie for distribution, yeah. so that it knows that like oh there's going to be an audience for it because they're really anticipating you know more of a, an audience because the previous one was Oscar nominated like of right. course there's going to be more people to watch it. No, that's insane. Yeah, because the first one. I mean, it definitely. I mean, it's cool because now it fits in our oof. Yeah, the first one was like seven point five million euros, and then it got three hundred thousand uh, box office. But like, still lost so much money. So much money. The running time is 84 minutes. The Rotten Tomatoes meter is 87%. So everybody liked it. Yeah. They, they wanted to go see it. And in the, the animation style was pencil and paper. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Let's talk it about it. Okay. Please. Well, first, 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 John. Oh, I'm sorry. We have to talk about what kind of weird we thought this movie was. Okay. Don't you dare get out of order. <laughs> You're out of order. I'm out of order. <laughs> this whole place is out of order. Ah! The kind of weird I think this movie is, is first snow of winter weird. That's what I'll call it. What? It's just like beautiful and ethereal and... Just like so sweet and tender and also kind of like it had so much wonder. So it just felt like the like it felt like the weirdness of going outside and it's not really that weird. Maybe it's the weirdness of experiencing snow for the first time. (laughs) Like as a baby. Like I felt like a newborn babe watching this film. I love this movie. So good. I love it. I want to roll in the in it, and I want to make angels out of the movie. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I think the type of weird I think it is is the illustrations of Mary Grand Prix from the Harry Potter books, the U.S. market, oh. like that style of animation. Like the old character- school ones. Is that like the old school paper? Like I'm sorry, the old school releases of the f- <sighs> books. I possibly has there been new updated ones? Yes, there's been newer release. You're, you're talking about the original, the original ones, yeah. yeah but okay. the, but also just the U.S. because the the U.K. had a different illustrator. Got it. Yeah, and uh, but also of my art teacher in seventh grade of making us do with like pastels or or, or pencil colored pencil yeah. drawings just the cleanness the idea of a of a kid fresh out of elementary school who still thinks of the world in sharp lines with identifying colors like yellow school bus blue sky the world had ordered to it oh, you know so like that idea yeah. put into paper huh that's pretty cool i like that all right let's try and do a one sentence summary how about we try this? Without this looking is our at our first notes. time. Yeah, we're not going to look at our notes. We're not going to look at the Google summary. Yes. We're literally going to try and do this like a couple of idiots. Yes. For the first time. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. We're going we're to crush it. Crush it. 
All right. I'll go first. Good. A kid has cancer. He also has the ability to turn himself into a phantom. He meets a cop who is a renegade, and he solves a caper with the f- boy who has a phantom. Good job. Nice. This Proud is a New York set film noir classic cop renegade trying to solve a crime but injured in a hospital being assisted by a kid who can astral project himself because of Ooh, he has cancer. Project. I stole that from a review that I saw. Oh, I see. And is able to then save the day. Nice. That's cool. good. All awesome. right, let's see what Google had to say about it. Yeah, tell it. us what what is the Google summary in New York? A courageous detective named Alex is injured by a gangster who calls himself the man with the broken face. Stuck in a hospital, Alex meets Leo, a bedridden 11-year-old who has the ability to leave his body and float around as an apparition. Like a ghost, invisible to all, he flies away and passes through walls. When the disfigured criminal threatens to attack the city's infrastructure, Leo springs into action to help the lawman foil his evil plan. That's okay. Honestly, I'm I'm not I'm if I read that that Google summary before I watched this movie, I would have been like, "All right. <laughs> I guess." You know, I wouldn't have been like that impressed. Right. You know. Yeah, so I mean, it just it doesn't make me necessarily want to watch the movie. I'm just kind of like, "All right, this is a little underwhelming." Well, you liked it better than me. I did. So, you use your power of your voice to make people want to watch this movie. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. What did you like about this movie? All right. Well, first of all, the animation is super cool. I also love the animation yeah. style. The animation's beautiful. The the soundtrack was fantastic. Unreal. I loved it the, so much. The opening part of the movie is this wonderful track yeah. that sets up the credits. It, the track. credits are so great, you know, and it's just like shot of of New York with the Phantom kind of boy going around, yeah. having a trail of, of white behind him and cool. stuff like that. It was such a clean, so clean. awesome animation style. I totally yeah. thought it was going to be like, oh, this is going to be off of like After Effects or something like that. But no, this is just like pencil and paper. Yeah. And you can tell like it, it felt like it. It was awesome. I... I I really love that about it. I love that quality. And the thing is, the the music and the and the the art style just set it up for exactly what I was talking about. That that was the feel that I was trying to get across with the weirdness. It's like an ethereal wonder that is also kind of leaves you a little bit off balance. You know what I mean? Like you kind of feel like, oh, there's something like out there in the blackness that's like a little bit of vo- outside of our our sight or uh, outside of what we can see. And I loved that quality about it because it just felt like there was always something a little bit more. I, what I loved about the, I mean, uh, the opening song was super great, but I also love there's this little interstitial. It was just after uh, Leo com- c- comes back to the hospital, collapses, and, is, mm. and puts him puts in bed and says, "Hey, mom, can you stay by me?" And then she goes outside the room, which I want to talk about later. Yes. Uh, and then he kind of like decides to go again, become a phantom, and, and walk around. And he's like, hangs out at the uh, the Statue of Liberty, just look at the sights, you know. <laughs> yeah. And we get this great shot of Central Park and the fall colors, you know. Yeah. And it was just such a, a beautiful moment. It was. And then especially with his little scene with his sister, which is oh. just just killed me. It killed me too. And man. and it just hit me now. It's like, oh, there's a reason they said it in fall because. He's got cancer. Mm-hmm. He's very close to, to dying. It's like, yeah, you know? close to the death. And, yeah. uh, and it, it definitely has that kind of like that melancholy feel that sometimes fall has of like, oh, you know, we're all kind of like getting ready to, you know, pull the 
covers over ourselves, not yeah. go out that much type of a thing. Yeah. And it was just the, the music really set that in stone for me. Totally. So that said, there is a complete dearth of facial expressions in this film. Like, these characters don't move their faces, like, almost at all. Right. Like, there's very little things that they do to, like, convey emotion fit like on their face. Right. There's a lot of com- emotion conveyed in their voices. For and sure. that's beautiful. But in their faces, you don't really get much, but it still feels so evocative. And I was actually, I thought a lot about that because I was like, how the fuck did they pull that off? Like, well, I how? think it's just the principle of puppets. You know, if you go to see a puppet show. That's true. And the, and the puppets, I mean, not like, you know, clay animation like Kubo and the Two Strings, but sure. like uh, actual like just, puppets, yeah. regular puppets, is that. They're, like you're talking about like, uh, like, like Jim Henson style. Jim Henson Muppets and stuff like that. Is like there's not much going on, but the way that the body moves or the eyes seemingly appear to look at, you know, say so much, you know. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like the style as far as face animation that these two directors decided to use as far as like, all right, we're not so great at faces, but through the blocking and stuff like that, and especially with the actors' voices and intonation, Mm. we can like – we can use the idea that the audience is already invested and they can look at like a tennis ball with two eyes on it and we'll still see an emotion into it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It it was one of those things where I I just found myself watching the movie and being like, I'm so into this. And I, you know, there's nothing that I can point to on the screen that necessarily makes me feel like those two characters care about each other. But it's, it's, I think it's their closeness. I think it's like, the physical proximity, they do a good job of trying to counteract a lot of those problems by doing more physical gesturing, um, which I thought was effective. But yeah, so I, I think I think those are the qualities of the animation that I both really loved and was a little like, it was it felt like a Don Hertzfeld, where I'm like, I don't understand how I care about this. Right. You know, it's kind of one of those things where I'm just amazed at how much I care despite the fact that it has so little by way of like... Artistry. Showing it. Yeah, or at least know? artistry in the face. Yeah, right, exactly. That's that's how I felt about that. Yeah, again, I, I really love the quality of, of being able to, like, just seeing things move even when they're standing still. Like, that quality of constant motion, regardless of if the character's standing still or not, was actually also really powerful and kind of felt like it had this internal motor that uh, was just kept propelling it forward. It never really felt like it dragged to me. It was. It really used its eighty-four minutes really well. It did. Uh, I think this is one of the, f- the first times where I was wasn't like looking at my watch, right. ready for the movie to end. Yeah. So they did a really good pacing wise. They did a really great job of it. So let's keep. So let's keep that rolling. Let's go. How did you feel about this movie, John? I, I liked it, but it's it's. It just needed more time in the oven baking as far as story-wise. Mm. I was kind of let down by the story. And I and after last week of watching uh, Heavy Metal, where I can't imagine <laughs> how much work the composer went into in making this beautiful work of art for a piece of shit movie. And I've seen that over and over again. And I'm feeling like... the. You know, the music in this in Phantom Boy is so good. The artistry is so good. They just needed to just bake the, the story a little bit more. They just mm. needed to beat some stuff out. You know, some of some internal logic was a little bit off. It definitely felt like kids doing improv as far as like the motivation of the face, you know? Interesting. It was very much kind of like I, I didn't I never felt like they were leaning into those tropes. I felt like they were half into doing, you know, what was expected of those tropes. Uh-huh. You know, a, a, a villain who wants to take over the city uh, for no apparent reason. 
uh, versus trying to do something that's more unexpected. And I feel it because they did, you know, basically the idea of astral projection or this kid who's now, because he's sick, can have his soul lift out of his body and fly around is such a unique thing that I really wish they had used more of that time on crafting each character's eternal logic. Interesting. So, okay, so for me, this movie had two protagonists. It was Alex, the police officer. And Leo. And Leo. Those two, I thought, had a beautifully fleshed out story, and you could you could tell what their motivations were, and you could follow them pretty easily throughout the film. Yeah. I think that the other characters in that movie serve to tell those two characters' story. And, in, and, that, and that goes the most with the man with the broken face. I think... He truly was, he was a simple villain. You know, he was pretty simple. Yeah. One, um, he kept wanting to, and I love. dimensional yeah. Yeah, he was pretty one-dimensional, like, and, and his, but his constant frustration was a genuine source of amusement to me. Like, I was not bothered by the fact that he never got to tell a story. I <laughs> loved that fact, in fact. Like, I thought that they did such a good job of not telling his story. I really wish I, because, like, I was kind of annoyed. Because that was the joke of I, it. It was a joke of it. And at the end, it was like, uh, it was like we never found out about the story. It was like, I, and, the, and then Mary, Mary Yeah, is, and uh, she gets is, cut off. And she gets cut off. And maybe it's just because of the voice acting, but I was like, yeah, I think maybe the weak point was the, the actress who did Mary. Uh, one, I also have problems with, with Mary was very thinly written as a character. Sure. I, she was all over the map. She was, you know, like fearful and afraid at some points or like super bold in the face of a gun in her face type of thing. Sure. You know, and then she was very prideful. So she was like, yeah, I'm a award winning journalist and I found out and then you get cut off, which is kind of fun. But I'm wondering if I had listened to the French actors, uh, voice work of it, if I had been like you, not necessarily, uh, perturbed by it. Yeah. You know, that's, and it's interesting cause we, I love that we watched it in two different formats, but yeah, honestly, none of that bothered me with her. I mean, it. there were moments when she, like, kind of stands up to the villains. And even though they have, like, guns and stuff, she's still, like, willing to stand up to them. It's, and, like, is kind of puts on this cocky bravado. Yeah. But I think it's... Was she on the phone with Alex at that point? She was, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. Yeah. I... Uh, I don't know. I, I felt like it was, yeah. it was a little bit thin. And, uh, well, and she went down there because she thought that she was following a lead, right? Yeah, that was also unclear as far as like... She was following like, a lead. I'm going to this empty parking garage to, you know, deep throat style, find a lead. And yeah. it ends up being the face who was pissed off that he wrote something bad about her. Right. Um, and, uh, and then she gets away. She wrote something bad about him, you mean? Yeah, yeah she wrote something bad about him. Another thing, that we, I, which I don't think we talked about yet, is the fact that... Did we talk about Vincent D'Onofrio? No, we haven't talked about him yet. So, so in the, my the version I saw, the English language version, Vincent D'Onofrio is the voice of, of the face. So that means it's like the reading of the face is different from our. Like you saw a different version of That's the face true. than I did. I did. I and I think that especially after listening to Vincent D'Onofrio's voice in this film, it's clear that he's a little more oafish. Mm-hmm. He sounds more oafish than the, the man with the broken face does in the French version. In the French version, he's a little bit more like, he's more like a standard trope. He's kind of like, he's like, oh, yes, I know what I'm talking about. This is a terrible French accent, but like, <laughs> yes, I know what I'm doing. I know who I am. And so like every time he gets up, like every time that- Upstaged? Yeah, upstaged or, or like 
it, it, it doesn't go his way, he looks even stupider because it's like his voice was so serious and so like sounded so real. And then everything he does, he looks like an idiot. Right. So it was kind of this beautiful thing where it just like kept snowballing in that way, which was really nice and I actually really loved. And again, I think with as far as the lady, I've already forgotten her name. Mary. Mary. As far as Mary goes. Mary. Mary. As far as Mary goes, I think there were definitely smaller issues that I noticed. But the thing is... I, I guess what I'm saying is like I particularly was not bothered by them because even in the moments when she was particularly per- perturbed, she was not like piercing. She wasn't shrill or piercing or anything No, no. Like she, that. I mean, she definitely wasn't like annoying of a character. No. I just thought that she was just like... You she, didn't think she was consistent? She wasn't consistent. Sure. And I wanted her to well, have more consistency. I don't know. Well, what do you mean? So like when you're saying that about... Because the thing is, I feel like she was all, she was consistent in the sense that Whenever she put on a burrata, like whenever she put on a face, she was doing it because she felt like she had backup. And then the one time where I feel like she didn't have backup and there was nothing she could have done was when she was in the car by herself and the man with the broken face comes up to her with a gun and like the mole and, and mole hits <laughs> mole himself in the head with the, fe- with with the, the safe with the fucking safe you got this like, weird fetish incredible. with the safe I love that part that it was, was so fun. fucking good yeah and I love the little like the little light coming off of the face the safe whenever he walks up to it yeah incredible yeah so like that he that character was incredible by the way yeah so I think I think ultimately that was the only moment where she kind of that bravado falls because she's like oh shit I'm legitimately in trouble because I've already pissed this guy off so much, and he's got a gun. He's waving it at me, and I've got no one else to help. Sure, but then when you go into the later scene when she's in the cabin of the, of the boat uh-huh. with the computer, and she's trying to get him to give up the password sure. for it, I needed more vulnerability, more like something in maybe in the voice acting or something. I was just kind of yeah. let down. I was, I was kind of... I, I, I just think she's kind of a badass. Like, I think that she... she I, And I think she kind of takes herself seriously sometimes, which is hilarious. But, like, that's kind of some something people who are badass do, you know? Um, so I, I wasn't bothered by it because I was just kind of like, oh, no, she's just a really... Like, she's like... I, I laugh in the face of danger, kind of. Right. In a certain sense. Because I will say this. I never felt like... And I think this is purposeful. I never felt like she was in real danger. No. At every point, I felt like the man with the broken face wouldn't actually kill her. No. The only person who I was ever actually worried for was Leo. Yeah. That was the only person let's get to throughout that, the film. Let's get to that point. So he stays behind to help Mary yeah. figure out the password. And then oh, actually after she figures out the password, the yep, boat, boat is on fire because yeah. it was exploded by the man with the face. Yes. And then the man with the face gets back onto the burning ship to like chase after yeah, her. Yeah, to like try and take her down, which I'm like, like dude, you're an idiot. You're on, a ro- you're on this motorboat. Like just Hilarious. get out of town, you know? Yeah. So one of the things is that if uh, Leo stays out of his body for too long, his body starts to fade mm-hmm. and uh, there's the danger of like he fades completely then he probably will die or something like yes. that. Yes. Such Our, a cool stakes for a power like that, by the way. Yeah. I loved that. Uh, but I wish it had been introduced even more early on, at least t- towards Alex. Because Alex only found out about that, that the stakes being risen at, at that last scene. I kind of love that. I didn't have any issue with that because it was kind of like one of those things where it heightens that moment. No. Which is the most, which is the penultimate moment for of sure. the film. So I wrote... We'll get to that later because I wrote down like okay. I want my my own rewrite of like, right, sweet, making sweet. making the, the logic. 
cool. (laughs) So like he then uh, is fading and he's racing back after Mary is safe back to the hospital. And there's this beautiful sequence again of like him floating and there's like trail of blue dots that are trailing him. And then he kind of curls up and then all of a sudden just fades away. And I was like, oh, oh, he's dead. Are they going to kill this kid? Yeah, I legit thought he was dead. I I was like, and I don't know, like I'll bring this up now because this is appropriate time. Should the movie have killed Leo? I think no, mostly because for me, the way they rounded out with the girl telling his story, like his daughter, I mean, his daughter, Jesus Christ, he's <laughs> like 10. His sister, younger his sister. His sister, yes, his younger sister, like the way that she tells the story at the end after he told her the beginning, such a beautiful way, because the, the movie for me, I think is so successful because it's such a clean narrative. Like for me, it's such a beautifully bookended and clean narrative that tells a great story from beginning to end and it's clear it's concise it's well told and it te- and it has a tone and a point of view and it was great and i think that that was a part of it that i think needed to be done because it's like now it gives another dimension to his sister who becomes you know like she kind of becomes the heart of the film uh i mean leo is the heart of the film but like she helps the heart of the film like grow. I think it's a growing moment for him right. after that happens. Right. I loved it. I, I think he should have stayed alive. Right now, uh, when you were talking, I, I realized I think that they beat it out. They structured out the story. Okay, this scene happens here. This scene happens here. But then to me, I feel like there's just something in the dialogue or the internal logic that it kind of felt like some of the dialogue was in the service of their predetermined structure rather mm. than them. Can you give me an example? I put you on the spot. I put you on the spot. I think just the idea. Oh, first of all, the entire motivation behind this guy is is insane. Or not the motivation. The entire plan is weird because he has ability to hack into every system in the city. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The logical fallacy. That should include bank records sure he should be able to like just go into the banks and <laughs> delete the funds and then he doesn't have to he has, doesn't have to do this whole kind of ransom archetype you know right one and then two is come on bad guys you really have to make better passwords for your computers stop also, with, stop eyelids, with the rid- I, stop with the riddles stop. I, will, I will say eyelids was like one of those things where i was like Really? Yeah, because it didn't really. Eyelids? I don't like. Why does that? Why does it? What does why that do, have to do with him? Yeah, that was my thing. I was maybe like, what we is that? maybe we find out that like he was trying to like paint his eyelids, and then all of a sudden like his his face became Picasso or something. Yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. Right. Know? I mean, it, it's it's interesting to try and read into that, but it kind of felt like okay, it's a bit of a cop out answer, and it felt like that was the part of the movie for me. That was the one small part of the movie where I was like, okay, this feels like a kids film. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, ultimately, I, again, didn't mind. I'm going to argue against that. Because, like, I didn't mind the villain's simplicity and, like, also, again, the logical fallacies of the villain. Because they're absolutely logical fallacies, right? Yeah. But the fact is, I didn't care because I felt like this is what comic, this is what storybook here villains do. Oh. You know what I mean? Because again, like, like the, the, I think the, the, the whole the thing movie needs opens to be, with that storybook. Exactly. Yeah. It's told through that prism, right? Right. I think the whole movie is told through the prism of a storybook. Like this is a story for and the thing is, like, 
even if it's told as a story for kids, it's still a well-told story, period. Because of the fact that even regardless of, of the, the rationale of the villain, because that's never the point in these storybooks, right? It's always like, how does the villain serve the protagonist, right? How does the villain help tell the protagonist's story? Right. Because that's ultimately the only thing that's trying to be done. Because honestly, and especially now, I'm going to actually revise that. The only real protagonist in this film is Leo. I think that he's the heart of this film. He's the he's the true weight here. I think that Alex is an important part of the film, and he actually helps the growth. Uh, or, or I should say Leo. Well, I don't... I know I'm going back and forth. Because the thing is, I feel like the person who really grows is Alex. That's true. And I think that it's because of Leo that Alex grows. Yeah. As a human being. So I just also thought another reason that like, oh, so I feel like Alex has a buddy. He's gotta have at least one buddy of the precinct who can oh, do all right. this police police work type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like him not having that, having to rely no, he's on a renegade cop. Or relying on uh, the mole just felt weird. And I felt like it just like <laughs> needed a better setup of our, like, oh, he really is renegade you know or he's not just a bumbling cop that like does really good work but then you know uh accidentally shoots a gas vein and explodes a grocery store you know right which was also funny i love that moment it because, was pretty great because it's like he saves the day but accidentally like shoots something hits the light bulb and then it, it bounces off and uh <laughs> hits the gas main right and then almost immediately the whole place place fills up with gas yeah so to the point where, like oh we have to get out of here you know you know, ignition boom explodes. Right. I thought the amount of gas coming in that must that gas vein must have had <laughs> huge pressure of gas. Yeah, 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 just like funneling an insane amount. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's it's just one of those things where like yes, those are totally logical fallacies, but ultimately like we're not. Here's my point: we're not led to believe anything else about these characters, and that's why for me they weren't necessarily logical fallacies. Like. There was no reason for me to believe that he had friends on the force because he's never been introduced to any friends on the force. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no reason for me, well, except for the gas main thing, but even that was just kind of like, that felt more in service to telling the story of how, like, what kind of cop he is then that, than anything else. Then, I mean, then boost up the story. Make, in the very beginning, them not, like, just happenstance partners of a journalist and a cop. Make them already a couple, already a huge team. So, of course, his first go-to is not to his, to his chief or to his buddy's cops. It's to his wife, it's his girlfriend, it's his buddy, Mary, who's going to get things because they're a team, you know? Yeah. I think if they had just done that, again— just give me your script. I will make it better. You know. I think I think that was maybe. Uh, I will give you that. I think that that moment in the beginning where he meets her for the first time, like he meets her for the first time in the film, because they're clearly familiar with each other. But the fact that they meet in a grocery store like that, and that's like it's just like a chance meeting, is a little bit like oh, this is a little bit played out. But like ultimately. That, to me, is kind of small potatoes-ish. Again, I, I think, for me... Spit it out. <laughs> Don't repeat yourself. Yeah, <laughs> good luck. Um, I think it's just the storybook quality of this thing, like, to me, kind of trumps everything. So when I see those issues, I kind of think about it in terms of, well, how does it fit the narrative of telling this story? based on the quality that they're trying to create. And for me, every time it was like, oh, this clears that bar. Oh, this clears that bar. Like every time it was just 
never felt weird. So yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where I come from with that. Like, because of the fact that they do such a good job of, of bookending every part of the film. And it did, you're, I will say that it, it, sometimes it was a little cute. Like, it did it a little hard. But it still was effective. You know, and it still told a good story. It still, it still, if like I still had a real reaction to the film, and I still was left with like, and 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 uh, like the imprint of like, oh man, what a, what a beautifully told story. Like that story had heart. You know, it was like a detective story with a supernatural element and a whole lot of heart. What a beautiful story with a lot of potential that just didn't quite get there for me. But then again, I'm make, I'm thinking about like. Just because of our different reactions to this film, I'm like, am I too harsh on children's films? Because mm. this was a children's film. Sure. Like, I mean, I really want to like go back and watch the Brave Little Toaster. Yeah. And and see, like, I don't, I don't think any of those, you know, Brave Little Toaster, those, you know, appliances and things had any sort of like thing that they need to learn. There's like no lesson they need sure. to learn. They just need to get back to their to their owner. You know. Right. Right. So I'm like, am I judging these movies? on too much of a greater scale. Because, like, Wally is an amazing movie, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't know if there's anything Wally needs to learn. True. <laughs> you know? Yeah, true. I mean, Wally doesn't... Yeah, Wally doesn't really change He's a much. robot. He yeah. just has his programming. Yeah. Well, and not only that, I mean, well, he's more... He, like, come on. You, you, you and I both know that that's, like, not the only thing that he's... He's clearly not just a robot. But I will say that I don't feel like he has... I feel like it's everyone around him that has development right. and not Wally. Right. Which is valuable, and I think kind of what this movie does with Leo. Like, Leo is kind of the same dude. It's really just everyone else kind of, like, grows around him. You know? Because, like, yeah. Alex and Mary end up together and, and like, all that stuff. But Here's here's my rewrite idea, or two of them, that I oh, think amazing. would be really cool. So, there's a moment where the thugs are going to the hospital to do in Alex, you know? Mm-hmm. And Leo is right there, and he's actually... So, another thing is that when he actually projects, the body is basically asleep but he when he's out there he can talk through his body kind of like a telephone situation so he's out there and then the the a ho- cool a cool way of doing that by the way very neat and then which is another th- asset to this movie they didn't do they didn't try too hard to explain like no it was everything, beautiful you know? it was all told within the scope and within the r- story like it just felt natural yeah, we to didn't the need, story we didn't need the first instance where he was able to figure this out you know like no we're jumping into the middle of the story yes which is really cool but so the big guy kidnaps basically leo and is rocking right with him and then when leo comes back to the hospital he goes back to the room and his body's gone he can't find it, it was like oh shoot you know, it raises the stakes because, like, if he doesn't get back to his body and he starts to fade away, then he might die. So I think that Alex uses the wheelchair to get to the elevator. It's him that knocks out the big goon. Leo still can't get into his body because he, he's, he's, he's still not there yet. He's not he's gone into his body yet. And he's tied up. Like, he actually still is tied up, which was, a, I thought, a great way of... That was really cool. It was so cool. It was like Raised the fact the that he was, being, it, he, he was being interfered with in his real body. He was being pinched. his astral body to, to like, like not up and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah i thought it was so cool so like so cool keep that but then he then the goons getting away goes to the elevator and then alex somehow is able to with his like crutches and stuff like that knock out the goon grabs leo's body and then leo being in not like help me where am i i'm in this corridor by this room and then and then uh alex is able to wheel himself and leo and then able to find out where he is and put the body in just before Hold he on. fades away wait what 
why why does that need to be changed? Because I because it introduces the idea that like you have to help me because if I fade away I might die, and I feel like we want to introduce that idea in oh, that you point to introduce it so that, that later on when he is helping Mary and he indicates that he's starting to fade away, I want Alex to be like, okay, it's cool. Mary's a big girl; she can handle herself like that. Come back here, and then it's the protagonist Leo's decision of like, what do I do? Do I go home? I think it's still Leo's decision. I still do Leo's decision, but I think it, it it's just I I just like the idea that Alex is clued in. Oh, gotcha. I completely disagree. I think I think that the fact is they already set it up like I think they already set it up through Leo's perspective that this is a problem for him when he starts fading at some points and he's like, Oh no, that you know that right. there's something that's going on with that. And I don't think Alex needs to know. I think Alex knowing more before that doesn't necessarily accomplish anything for our stakes because I think, again, that moment is so powerful because it's like he's figuring this all out and he's now trying to like... Because the thing is, if Alex had known beforehand, he would never have let him go. Go. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Maybe. Like that's that that would have never been a problem in the first place because it would have it would have never come to pass. So like in this version, he's like, oh shit, I have to grapple with the fact that this kid could die. I need you to come back because that's you you living is super important. Come back, kid. Like she'll be okay. Come on, come on. And him and then Leo has makes the decision. No, I want to stay and make sure she's okay before I leave. I get right. Okay, yeah. Okay. So then yeah, but then I still want. Alex to punch out the big goon just so that it gives Alex more agency that like sure he's in a wheelchair but he can still have like I think he has mobile. tons of agency I mean because nah. he, 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 ta- he takes out the little dude like all by himself and he almost takes out the big guy he yeah, almost takes just, out that dog that dog was annoying that dog that dog was unbelievable that dog was like the he was the uh he was the real X factor like without that dog the man with the broken face is nothing he has nothing without that dog. So when he throws that shoe at that dog, I was like, dude, you fucked up. I love that you, you keep saying the man up. with the broken face because I'm sure that's what it is for the French I'm pretty version. pretty sure that's his name. But like in, in the English version, it what was is just his name? The, the face. Oh, it's just the face? Just the face. Oh, got you. And, okay. I, and that was kind of thinking of like, again, another rewrite idea. I really want him people like, <laughs> it's Picasso. Picasso is like, no, my name isn't Picasso. It's the face or the man <laughs> with the broken face. Like, okay, I can like get that, behind that rewrite. That, that idea, you know? I can, I can get behind that rewrite. Um, well, I, I do. I just love the fact that he never tells his story. I think that's really awesome. But um, anyway, do you have any other last minute thoughts that you like wanted to add? I hated the chief of police. Okay. Yeah, he he wasn't really redeeming at all, was he? Yeah, he was he was I, I, again, I think it was kind of a similar thing to the villain like the face. It's just kind of like he's in service. He's a he's a roadblock. He's right. a, uh he's really just a roadblock to Alex being successful. Right. He's very one-dimensional. But again, like he's helped to serve this he told us stuff. Oh my god. He helped <laughs> to tell the story. So, that was great. But um, yeah, I get what you mean. There's a, there's a moment where Leo's like, "Mom, can you stay next to me?" And she says, "Sure." And I'm expecting her to like grab a chair and like sit down next to his hospital bed, but then she interprets that like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna stay in the hospital. I'm still gonna leave the room and go someplace else." I'm like, what what is going on? Yeah, it was funny. Ami had the ex- Ami had the same problem when she just goes like. Uh, she's like, all right, we'll be back. And she just leaves. She just leaves. When he's in the hospital. Yeah, like they're just going to leave him completely. Like Leave him alone like, in no, the hospital. No, you don't do that. You pull up a bed, a couch, and you sleep in the same hospital. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That- well, it's it's clear to, to be fair. Like it kind of felt clear to me that this was a long time coming. 
and it felt like maybe this had happened before because of the fact that they had had bouts of this before it was kind of like one of those things where they had to get back they had to get back to like living and and like what i mean is like they had jobs probably i'm sure both of them have jobs so i i was able to create so i, I think stakes the, the or, or is, reasoning but, but I, it wasn't necessarily explicit what, what you do Again, rewrite is you have the whole entire family go there. Mom stays by. Rewrite. The dad, the dad has to bring the the, the daughter right. back. He also projects himself while he's asleep. Mom's still there, and he follows the dad home. And the dad is crying, uh, or or you know, and they're mm. both kind of like I don't know what's going to happen type of thing. Because again, it felt like oh, we need we need Leo to follow someone back to his home, so we'll just have none of the characters stay at his hospital, and then everybody abandons him. You know, like it, again, <laughs> yeah, right. it, it felt like they were servicing the plot points they had predetermined rather than like trying to figure out okay, we'll have the mom stay there, and then we'll because we need this plot point, maybe we'll have the father and the daughter drive back so that. You know, like maybe the, maybe the maybe the father drives back alone, and then he and then he comes back home and like dismisses the babysitter, you know, and then like mm. sees up in heaven, you know, or flip it, you know, the father stays at the bedside and he still follows the mom home type of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I those are that's probably fair. I I think that again, I can try and come up with stuff, but it's not explicit within the text. It's not explicit within the film, so. Another thing I wanted, I wanted just one sequence where we see Leo save a patient in the hospital, you know? Yeah, you mentioned that. I, 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 I honestly, dude, like, he saved Alex. That's enough. I, I feel like, I feel like this, the, the thing is, the, st- uh, the that kind of stuff, I feel like it just adds time to the movie, and it's like, we don't really need it. Because he mentions, he mentions saving other yeah, people. Yeah, but I want to see, like, I want to, like, like, the first sequence where he's flying around, like, right after he get a, he get, flies back, sure. goes back from, from his home to the hospital. Yeah. You know, he could fly in. Maybe there's another phantom out there, and he guides that person to the hospital uh room that's just the floor underneath him guides him back to his body and then floats back up and that's just that's we don't talk about it too much it's there's no dialogue between the phantom he just helps him so that later on when he talks about oh i've helped this person has helped this other person it isn't such a um because i was kind of like thrown thrown by the fact that alex all of a sudden was also his soul was out there and then that alex came or leo came by and brought him back i was like oh so like anybody was hurt has a phantom, you know, yeah. type of thing. Sure, and, and that and that part of it, I think, is probably purposefully open to interpretation. I, I again, like that part of it, I was like, ah, I can, I can, I, I totally get why they didn't do this because, again, I feel like it adds to them. It like adds time to the movie, and I think that kind of Alex being the first one that Leo takes back that we see, like the, I think that's kind of powerful. I think it was kind of like one of those things where it's like, oh. Leo does this too, you know, because it's because he then mentions because you it opens up another side to Leo that you now see in reference to Alex. Like Alex is now the conveyor of this side of Leo, which I love because again it, it gives those two a more deep connection too. So I I again like that was not a problem for me at all. I was like, oh cool, that makes total sense. And then when he justifies it later by talking about all the other people that he takes back, I'm like, yeah. That makes yeah. total sense. Another thing I really liked is that they gave each character a little bit of a of a fault. So you had mm-hmm. Mary, who's a little bit too prideful about her like her accomplishments. Sure. You got um, Alex, who 
is just a, 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 a clumsy guy. And also, like, kind of, I feel like Alex's biggest flaw is his, like, he goes a little too far. He's, like, trying really hard to do this thing, and he goes so far that he fucks up. Right. Or, like, in some way. Like, he gets the thing, but he fucks up, you know? And he almost does it with Leo's life. Yeah. And I also love that Leo's fault is that he just loves talking too much, which is so great. <laughs> to the point of, like, knowing, like, oh, quite a, like 50 questions right away. Yeah. When, they first, when he first meets... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he first meets Alex. Alex, when he's, ten, when he's, a lot, when he's a, back in his body. And yeah. He's it's basically just like he's a kid. Right. You know? And it's, it's interesting, too, because, like, especially now that you bring that up, I, I can say that these characters don't really have flaws. Like, even though we're talking about their flaws, like, even Alex's flaw, he saved people. Well, and, I, I and guess... he also didn't know about the issue with Leo until it was already happening. I guess maybe not flaws, but, like, just some extra thing to make them less than, like, just perfect less, characters. Less than perfect. No, 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 totally. And I totally get that. I, I'm with you on that. I just think it's interesting because I still really enjoyed this movie, even though these characters weren't necessarily flawed individuals. And I think that, again... You know what? I think this has something to do with the storybook stuff I've been talking about. Because, like, when you're doing a storybook, like, that's not necessarily that important to telling the story that's, 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 that you're, that you're telling. Uh, that was a horrible way of saying that. But, like, it's not as important to the story you're telling is, is the fact that these characters have these, like, fatal flaws. That's not the way that it works. You know what I mean? It's really just more, like, it's a more about discovery than it is about, like, examining a fatal flaw i feel like so i think that that's something for children's that this, stories yes yes so like in other words that's for me what this movie did very effectively was it was more about the discovery of the characters than it was about what they did wrong gotcha you know what i mean and and again like that i think was so effortlessly well done by the by the creators do you have show. any added notes that you want to talk about I don't. Uh, I thought that there was some really cool... I do think that there was some really cool moments, like the moment of Leo walking down the hallway as he's like about to pass out and you kind of follow him down the corridor and the, the screen shake. Like, that was cool. I was like, oh, man, that was really interesting. Oh, I also just for some reason, Ami and I were talking about this. We really loved the moment where the you see the aquarium and the fish are like floating in air. You can't see the water. You can't see the water, but it's like such a... You know it's water. And it, but it's just such a beautiful moment where you're like, oh, look what they did, you know, like, and they did it so well within the scheme of this animation that you didn't even think twice about it. You're just like, yeah, it's, it's, they're floating in water, but you don't need the water because you know. And then again, it just like plays into the whole phantom aspect of the film. And I don't know. I really liked that a lot. Uh, it was so simple, but it was such a cool thing. So anyway, that's, that's mine, I guess. <laughs> so let's get right into the end of the podcast. But we do have our in-betweener of the week. Who is it? Marik Kevin. I don't think I pronounced that correct. But, and I don't even know if this is a male or a female, because I looked, you guys. It's so hard to tell from the IMDb page, y'all. I really couldn't tell. But this person is really cool. They worked on Song of the Sea, a couple of, like, really big name animated films as an in-betweener. And funny enough, this is, for this film, this is the only person credited as an in-betweener. Like everyone else, there's there's like a couple of other uh, animation specialists and animation assistants, but this is the only one that is the animation assistant slash in betweener. Wow, only one. And so I'm kind of like, wait a minute. So is this the only person who did all those cool like penciling penciling effects? Because if so, sh this person did a lot of work, a lot of work. Yeah. So I'm impressed. All right. Anyway, ranking. What you got, John? 
All right, so I put this at three on my list. So I got Dan Hertzfeld's Ovra, Nausicaa, Phantom Boy, Unico, Fantastic Planet, Triple to Belleville, and Heavy Metal. How about you? All right. I've got Don Hertzfeld as first. It's so lame that we have the same first one, but it's just so good. And then immediately after that, I've got Phantom Boy taking the second spot. What, 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 what? And then uh, I've got Fantastic Planet. Which I'm like, kind of like realizing now, I'm like, I think I ranked them too high, but I'm sticking to my guns. (laughs) And honestly, there are things that I can still defend about that movie, so I'm going to keep it. So, Fantastic Planet, then Nausicaa, then Triplets, Unico, and last, but certainly least. Certainly least. Heavy metal. (laughs) Heavy metal. What a piece of shit. What a piece of shit. I cannot, oh, I just cannot with that movie. I can't wait for us to find a movie that's better than the oeuvre of Don Hurstfield and, but more importantly, a movie that is worse than Heavy Metal. Oh my God. It will be a miracle if there's something worse than yeah. Heavy Metal. Honestly. It'll be amazing. I, um, I, I will be, I, I will be, honestly, it may go to first just by being worst. <laughs> that may happen for me. I'm just letting you know that might happen. Well, that's all we've got for you. Oh, and uh, oh, of course, our contact information. John, will you do us the honors? Yes. If you would like to talk to us about your thoughts or engage with us because we really really want to engage right now it's just us two talking to each other about movies yeah. and stuff like that and we really want to engage with our listeners yeah we want to talk to you like what did you think of certain movies what did you think about our comments are we out of base do you agree with things please let us know please. we love, love to talk to people yes uh, in betweeners pod uh, is both our Twitter and our, our Instagram mm-hmm. and then uh, at Facebook we are in betweeners with Liam and John all one word and I think that's it yeah, and uh, you guys can email us as well. Oh, that's right. Um, Which at is in betweenerspod at gmail.com. That's right. Uh, this has been a, a wonderful time. Yeah. I definitely sh- think that you should go rent this movie. And yeah, what do you it. think, John? You think, you, should, you think it's worth a watch? I think it's worth a watch. Yes, I think it's worth a watch. <laughs> I absolutely think it's a worth a watch. I think you can learn something from watching this film, and you will be left with a really full feeling, and you'll just want to, like, just go take in some wonder you know what i'm saying just wonder at stuff that's what you want (laughs) anyway have a great night guys good night bye i I love this movie so good i love it and i want to make angels out of the movie Mm. Yeah. yeah